What's up, everybody? This is the podcast shout out for our anniversary episode. We're going to give a shout out to another film analysis podcast, not unlike our own, and that would be the Casual Cinecast. They actually do some pretty highbrow analysis of all kinds of different films from Criterion movies to even the biggest blockbusters that came out recently. Like, I think they just did an episode on Glass and it's pretty interesting. So definitely check them out. You can find them wherever you get your podcasts and you can also find them on Facebook and on Twitter. And I just wanted to say thank you very much for this first year of podcasting with Collateral Cinema. We had a lot of fun making this. We are definitely going to have some really, really, really interesting stuff coming out in the future. And also check out our Patreon. We are currently about to put some new content on there and also we're going to make another commentary for the Podbean patrons so keep an eye out for those and be sure to join us at the one dollar or five dollar levels so with all of that said thank you for this first year of podcasting 2018 to 2019 and with that on with the show I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Ortegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. This is Collateral Cinema. Welcome to Collateral Cinema, the only movie podcast that matters, where we focus on good movies, bad movies, and everything else in between in the world of cinema. We are podcasting straight from somewhere in South Texas, and yes, my friends, we are a 420-friendly podcast. So whatever you have, be it dabs, blunts, joints, bongs, whatever, smoke it if you've got it, vape it if you've got it, and ladies and gentlemen, this is our anniversary episode. Woo! Nice. Yeah. What's up, guys? Oh, not much. How's everybody doing? Oh, awesome, man. Doing awesome. Dakota. That's fucking great. Hell oh, yeah. yeah. Too much. Too much. College, bro. It's killing oh, me. Yeah. Damn. Fucking college. You're still going it's to bad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we're actually pretty busy nowadays. We're doing at least three podcasts now. Yeah. I mean, two of which are officially under the collateral name. And it's been quite an interesting year for us. Honestly, like we, we started this podcast with just a single mic. It was uh, Robert, me, Joseph Cantu, and Frankie Avila. Yeah. Who, honestly, we would love to have them back on the show here pretty soon. The yeah, more the Yeah, definitely. And I mean, they, they had some interesting input to put in on certain movies and everything that they were on. Yeah, especially the Halloween episode. I don't think Joseph was there, right? I don't think Joseph was there. It was pretty much just you, me, and Frankie, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I've listened to some of the old podcasts before I jumped in, and I, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah, 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 they were. I mean, you can definitely hear the evolution of our sound a little bit, because midway through like the first quarter of last year, that was when I got the new microphones and everything. We were still recording in my bedroom at the time. We are in our own dedicated studio now, but it was kind of cramped, but it was... Uh, Still a lot of fun. Did honestly. the job. 
Yeah, it did the job. We even recorded a commentary, a couple of commentaries Except up in uh, there. Your dog yeah. barking all the time too. Oh yeah. Shut up, Chichi. And also other interruptions. Yeah, before we got our Section 9 Studios set up. Oh, yeah, Section 9 Studios. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, if you have a podcast or if you have any type of editing that you want done or if you're want, if you in the South Texas area, you want a studio to record at, come to Section 9 Studios. We, are, we have very, very reasonable rates. Hit us up. But yeah. you realize even if you say South Texas area... That's a huge section. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We're 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 in the hill country, people. That way they can't find us. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. We're in the hill country. You could you say South Texas, but so that could still include something four hours away. Yeah, you're right. Well, they can just DM us if they want directions. Right. <laughs> if they want to book us and get directions, they can just DM us or email or whatever. I I don't know. <laughs> Gas fare not included. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. That's funny. Damn it. <laughs> well. Since our pilot episode focused on a Takashi Miike's audition, we decided that pretty much every anniversary episode from here on out is going to be a Takashi Miike movie. And there's a, there's a fucking lot of them, man. Like This man made over 100 movies in less than 25 years. It, it's yeah. out there, man. That's impressive. Yeah. I mean, that's some work ethic. It's just insane. Ah, I mean, it's I, crazy. I, I mean, there's a lot that goes into making movies. Like even even at a independent level, I mean, you have a lot of planning. You have you still have to write scripts, write screenplays. You have to go uh, scouting locations and all that. But Takashi Miike, his approach to cinema is such a labor of love that, and it comes out in all of his works. I mean, from the smallest little movie that he did, like Visitor Q, which was done on a very very cheap budget. All the way up to some of his more recent fare, which are pretty much like Japanese blockbusters. Like you guys showed showed us as the gods will, which is one of his uh, more yeah. that's one of his more recent movies. Y'all y'all want to elaborate on that one? Oh goodness, uh, we I watched that up in Pennsylvania. I was visiting my uncle there, and he showed me that. And it was a good watch. It was a good. It was it was one of the first like Japanese movies I'd really ever seen. Really, yeah, I was because I hadn't really gotten into that genre yet, hmm. and my uncle showed me it, and I was just like I didn't know what to say. Wow, you know, I was taken aback because there was so much blood, so much like extremities that weren't necessary. Yeah, but in, so. in, in that movie, it's all very stylized because it's related to uh, Japanese children's games yeah. and everything. So, I mean, the violence, while it's pretty gruesome in that movie, it's also very tempered by the overall tone of the movie. It's, yeah. a, it's a playful movie. Very. Yeah. Yeah. And it's almost... Playful in a way like the movie we are focusing on today. Yeah, if you like As the Gods Will, you like Ichi the Killer. Ichi the Killer. Ichi the Killer. This was Takashi Miike's breakout hit right here, guys. I mean, I think Audition came out before. I think that came out in like 99, 2000. Uh-huh. But this movie right here is what a lot of people actually heard about Takashi Miike and really, really heard about him in the mainstream sense. You know, which is kind of weird because this has cult film written all over it. I mean, especially with just how cartoonish the violence is and, you know, just all the overtones of rape and loss and, like, addiction. Yeah. Inspired Heath Ledger's character, right, too? Oh, yeah. Kakihara. <laughs> the, the Joker. Yeah. There, there is definitely a little bit of a parallel there. Like, I mean, it's that's without question, I think. And with the exaggerated gore and the violence, reminds me of anime you know any anime or manga fan here well, well well it 
it came from a manga. Right. And I was gonna yeah. just about to bring that it, up it, is it, that it, it's it's like uh, Rikio in that sense, actually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Rikio also was another movie that was very exaggerated. So it's very interesting when you see what works in a in a manga or an anime exaggerated, and you see that translate to film and it's not easy to do if you're taking the movie too seriously, but in a movie like this, especially these these Japanese movies, it does work really well because it's just so over the top. Yeah, and, and that's yeah, the yeah. point of it. And, and I think the other uh, point there is that he chose a uh, manga that's not that what at least at the time it wasn't particularly well known outside of Japan. Yeah. you know, except in certain circles. I had never heard of that one, and in Japan, that's known as Koroshia Ichi. Koroshia Ichi, exactly. But it uses the uh, Arabic numeral one, which leads me to believe that instead of meaning Ichi the killer, that means something more like killer one. So they're like playing off of Ichi's name. So that's kind of a pun that's kind of missed, I think. Almost like it's not a name he was given. It was more he was given a number. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, well, the Japanese language has a bunch of weird little kind of quirks with it and little kind of turns or phrases that are just centric to that. Yeah, a lot of... Every language has its intricacies, and yeah. uh, Japanese, of course, is no exception. Now, if, if you're a bit of an anime fan or a Japanophile, some of these, you know, you may be more familiar with. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I watched anime quite a bit of my life. I, I, w- I was used to a lot of the stylized gore and violence, you know, a lot of the arterial sprays. I mean, that's classic manga and anime stuff, you know. Exactly. But also, I mean, you saw that in a lot of martial arts movies. Like, for instance, Rikio, or even something like Shogun's Assassin, which was pretty much just Lone Wolf and Cub. Like, uh, Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, right? Yeah, that, that was sure. just pretty much a, a send-up of all those different tropes and uh, conventions of that the genre. Material spread I mean, from the next. And yeah, but Takashi Miike's career, like we said before, is massive. I mean, but he has quite a few noteworthy movies of all types of genres, really. I mean... This movie, Ichi the Killer, it's very much a horror movie, but it's also kind of a satire of uh, Yakuza tropes, kind uh-huh. of from because Yakuza movies they are they have a pretty storied history in Japanese film culture. It, it, in, in many ways, it's kind of an extension of like the Chanbari samurai films. You know, it's just kind of and, and a lot of those had Yakuza in them as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like. I'm trying to remember if any of Kurosawa's films were focused on Yakuza. I, I don't really remember. I mean, that, that is kind of a long-standing trope in Japanese film culture, and I, I see that it, this movie is kind of an extension of that, in a way. And Takashi Miike, he really got his start doing Yakuza films. Like, his first his first movie was Shinjuku Triad Society, which... Actually, it wasn't so much Yakuza that focused on the, the Chinese triad gangs. Mostly territories. triad stuff, right? Like Yeah, yeah, triad life. stuff. I mean, but then he started focusing on Yakuza films. He even did a, a weird sci-fi Yakuza movie called Full Metal Yakuza, which is, it, it's, it's pretty much like his send-up of RoboCop, kind of, but instead yeah. of a cop, it's a uh, Japanese Yakuza, and he's taken in by this very weird mad scientist and turned into a cybernetic assassin and he pretty much goes and has his revenge on his attackers. It, it, yeah, it's a straight up revenge story, but it's also a very much a sci-fi movie and yeah, true to Takashi Miike, there is definitely a rape in that. <laughs> that and God that sounds movie. like a good movie. Yeah, it, it, and it ends very badly. <laughs> so would you say Miike's film, do they have a sort of overarching trait? Because I know they, there's a wide variety of genres, right? 
Well, I mean, depending on what genre he's doing, there are a lot of different motifs that he uses. Like one, of course, is bodily fluids like uh, vomit and, and namely mother's milk, like mm. lactation. That's something Crazy. that, I mean, spoiler alert, that's something that comes up in Visitor Q, which was a very infamous movie that he did. That, w- that was done pretty much on digital for a very, very low budget. And it it's almost has like a found footage quality to it. Really? Kind of. Yeah. It's kind of uh, down that uh, road of filmmaking. But, I mean, it, it was very, very raw. It focused on a lot of very, very taboo subjects. Like, I mean, and it's, it's focused on this one family who's just incredibly dysfunctional. And then this one visitor, the titular visitor Q, he comes in and pretty much just upends their family life. And then that's all I'm going to get into because these guys haven't seen it. Yeah. Not yet. But, ladies and gentlemen, if you've seen Visitor Q, you know how hard it goes. I mean, it just kind of goes right in there and goes straight to the point. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you're just like, oh, wow, we're, we're starting like this. It's that kind of movie. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, we, we, we've all had uh, movies or anime that are kind of like that. Like, Robert, uh, what kind of uh, movie would be like that? Like, when you first saw it, like, when you when it really really got to the uh, good stuff, you were like, "Oh, it's this kind of movie." Yeah, I've, I don't think I've ever seen anything like that. Really? Yeah. Freddy got fingered. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Freddy yeah. got fingered. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's more like, well, that just happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, with the well, we can't go into detail, right? Really? <laughs> yeah. Maybe maybe not. If if you want more on Freddy got fingered, we did an episode on it on season one. So check it out. Check that out. We're gonna have to. That was one of my firsts with you guys. But yeah, ladies and gentlemen, definitely check out Visitor Q. I'm definitely going to show it to these guys. Another notable movie that Takashi Miike put out, it's very much his most Lynchian movie. It's very much kind of his ode to David Lynch. David Lynch. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's pretty much like Japanese eraser head. It's called Gozu. Again, it focuses on Yakuza, but it kind of goes in a more surreal horror element than his uh, previous Yakuza films, which were more, you know, straight up, but very stylized, you know, but they were still straight up Yakuza films. But um, this movie right here, it becomes a lot more cerebral and even kind of meta in many ways. Like, it it focuses on this one Yakuza dude who uh, he has to kill his uh, Yakuza brother. All kinds of hilarity happens. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, it, it, it... it just becomes more mind blowing every time I see it, and in the last fifteen minutes of it, oh man, it, it, you will, you will forever have that burned in your memory. I'm like, I, I'm not gonna spoil it, but anybody who's seen it, it's like you know that that's just like quite possibly one of the most original endings you'll ever see in any movie ever. お前が消えたんだ。
Like, I, I wish you guys uh, would have seen that. I mean, on, honestly, there were so many other Takashi Miike movies that I, I would have shown you first other than As the Gods Will. That's, really? a, that's a good movie. But, I mean, I, I probably would have showed y'all Gozu first because, I mean, it, it's, it's cerebral, but in some ways it's, it is kind of accessible. We should be, like, going through your movie collection, like, right now. I, I know, yes. right? I, it makes <laughs> me kind of wish that I had my DVDs up in here, you know, because oh, yeah. I have at least... 15 Takashi Miike movies really? alone. Oh, nice. Wow. Of all, all kinds of different genres, you know? I mean, I even have this duo movies called Young Thugs, and it's more of like a personal autobiographical movie focused on, I believe it was, it's focused in Osaka. I think that's where Takashi Miike was born. I may be wrong. Correct us if we're wrong, ladies and gentlemen. But it's, it's more of a tribute to his childhood and also to his, uh, to, uh, it's very much a coming of age movie. And even then, it has some scenes that reek of torture, and it's like, oh my god, man, really? Like, I mean, it's it's not torturous, just like like Ichi the Killer is or Audition, but it, it's a scene where it's just like, oh man, what the fuck? Essentially, this dude's getting a tattoo removed, and he's getting it removed via a hot like. I I I, I, I want to say it was a soldering iron or something. I, I don't even want to know. <laughs> that sounds terrible. But it's not like a horror movie or a yakuza film. It's actually a very tender coming of age movie. It's weird. It's it's very understated in other ways. And he made a drama film called Bird People of China, which was very interesting. It it it, it has a yakuza member in it, but it's not a yakuza movie. It's more of like a very meditative film, and it, it's based in this village where. All these people believe that they will eventually grow wings and fly like birds. Like they are always like <laughs> flapping their wings, trying to, trying to fly. But it's not what you would think it is. It's actually really, really deep and philosophical, you know. Hmm. And that's the same with another movie called Izo. Izo is a movie that transcends time, death, birth, rebirth, and everything you can think of. Like. It focuses on a samurai who pretty much just goes through the afterlife, just killing and going through all of his uh, all of his past misdeeds, and just kind of inching towards rebirth and everything. It's it's very very interesting and very very steeped in uh, religious and political metaphor. And, and he has a spirit guide that sings and plays guitar. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Yeah, he, he's this uh, Japanese folk singer, and he's really really good actually. Like the, the songs are actually very very memorable. And I mean, they're some of the best sequences in the movie. I mean, I, do y'all want to watch something like that sometime? Maybe. Yeah, no, for sure. I'll watch anything. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I mean, that sounds like some awesome shit, right? And he had an episode on the Masters of Horror series on Showtime. Oh, actually, back in the day. But shit. it was never actually aired because it was too extreme. It's called Imprint. Imprint. And it stars Billy Drago, of all people. And he, he plays this... Uh, this dude who goes back to this Japanese brothel that to get his prostitute girlfriend back, and he finds out that she's missing, and he ends up uh, hanging out with this other prostitute who is one of her fellow concubines, and it goes really off the rails really quick. I'm not even going to spoil any of it, man. I mean, there, there there's a scene in there that is pretty, like, they really he really goes there with it. Once again, no yeah. taboo unturned. And it's definitely why this movie was not... It wasn't shown on Showtime. Mm. Like, can you believe that? That's crazy. And they show everything on Showtime. Everything. I, yeah, seriously. 
Masters of Horror, right? And Masters of Horror was a great series. I mean, that had like Dario Argento, Mick Garris. Yeah. I think Wes Craven did a couple. Yeah, you're right. I think Toby Hooper did one. It had a lot of great directors, actually. A lot of great actors, too, like Robert England. Yeah, like Meatloaf, he he had a memorable turn in one of those episodes. It was a Dario Argento-directed movie called Pelts. Meatloaf? It, yeah, Meatloaf. <laughs> and he, he's great in it. Like it, it goes pretty extreme, and it kind of brings back old-school Dario Argento-style, like almost giallo supernatural movie, kind of like Suspiria or Opera, like Inferno. Like, I know that y'all probably have never seen Dario Argento. I never, I've never seen it. Oh, never man. heard of it. Honestly, no. if you want another movie maker that probably had an influence on Mike, like definitely Cronenberg, Lynch, and uh, definitely him as well. When you say Cronenberg, I just think of Rick and Morty. Yeah, I know a lot of people do. I mean, <laughs> but I mean, David Cronenberg, that's a great director. We'll get into him some other time. And he also has done some children's movies as well. Like, he actually did a live action version of uh, Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney. Goodness, he does everything, doesn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he, he adapted the uh, Nintendo DS game. He does everything. Nice. <laughs> and, and he also did kind of a send up of Power Rangers called Zebra Man. It's a Japanese superhero movie, essentially, but it's hilarious. And, it, and it's for kids. It's, it's not really graphic or anything, it's just a lot of fun. Look at my hooves. Not, that's not a great example. <laughs> I, yeah, that's not a great example. Man. He says Zebra Man. It reminded me of Zebras in America. Yeah. <laughs> Another one of his more interesting movies was Fudo, The New Generation, which is yeah. about this young Yakuza heir to his father's uh, position in the clan. Actually, I don't really remember the fucking plot of that movie. Mm. Well, it's been a while since I've seen it. But yeah, check out Fudo the New Generation. It has some interesting scenes. <laughs> like there, there's this one chick, like she's a stripper, and then she straight up uses a blowgun to uh, shoot a dart through some guy's neck and just kill him. Hmm. What? It's like, yeah, it was pretty cool. There, there's some pretty extreme stuff in that movie. I, I highly recommend it. So Takashi Miike, he's got quite a mind, huh? Yeah. He, he also did another kid's movie called The Great Yokai War. Which, I mean, if you know anything about Japanese yokai, you know, which are basically like different types of demons and spirits, yeah. you know, that, you know, it's uh, pretty much like folklore. It's Japanese folklore. Yokai is just like monsters. Oh, okay. Pretty much like a kappa. Kappa is an example of yokai. Yeah, kappa is a, a water demon. Yeah. Kappa, kappa. That, that, that's a prime example of that, actually. And, and I think there is a, a kappa in character in that movie. And he's pretty funny, actually. And finally, Happiness of the Katakuris. That is a zombie, romantic, comedy, musical, family drama mashup with all kinds of crazy special effects. There's, there's stop-motion, claymation-style animation. There's singing and dancing and murder and... Everything. Everything and, you know, family, of course. It's of all like, things. Yeah, family. <laughs> Just like Visitor Q. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's so many more movies that we could list here. He has a vast filmography. He also made 13 Assassins recently. He, he's done the Samurai movies. He, I think he even did a Zatoichi movie. I mean, Zatoichi, like if you know anything about the Blind Swordsman. I've never seen about that. that oh, guys, come on, man. Like if you know anything about Japanese culture or, or even anime culture, like you got to get into like Chanbari movies, man. Hmm. But with Ichi the Killer... There's just a cloud of 
pure cruelty and violence and loss and just outright negativity throughout this movie, but it never it never feels like a drag on your conscience or anything because everything is just so cartoonish and so exaggerated that while while it's all well done, it's it's very hard to really take seriously in this movie. What what do yeah. y'all think? I don't I don't think it takes itself seriously. You know, it it's so over the top and even not just the violence, but even some of the the plot points just kind of over the top is the only way I can say it. It's it's kind of like a, a distorted version of reality just just a slightly more unbelievable than our own yeah slightly slightly less believable less believable. did i say more believable yeah you said more believable i meant less believable slightly less i I don't think that i want this reality to be more believable sounds good to me (laughs) yeah i mean there's just lots of horrible stuff that happens here yeah (laughs) but but it's all done within the context of you know what these characters want what their motivations are and where it actually takes them, if y'all know what I mean. I mean, the, the, the violence is very deliberate, but it's not, it doesn't revel in any of it. Yeah. yeah. It knows it's over the top, like Ash said, but it's like, it doesn't, it just kind of acts like that's normal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it, it's, it's just huh. the normal flow yeah. of the film. Like, like, like for instance, the, torture, tortures, she- yeah. the torture scene with, uh, what was his name, Suzuki? Yeah. 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 He, th- this motherfucker is suspended with goddamn hooks. Like, if if, if anybody knows anything about body modification mm-hmm. or anything like that, like that's kind of where that comes from. That's another fetishy kind of yeah. thing here. I know Chris Angel. He did a episode once where he hung by hooks on his back. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There, there, there are people that go out and go to conventions and they do that as kind of performance art. More or less, and it, it's lovely. very, it's very extreme. It's not for the squeamish, but it's very interesting, actually. So, but but here in this in this scene, it's used basically to just incapacitate this dude Suzuki, and also to just undercut Kakihara's character because Kakihara has just a singular motivation: he wants his boss back, and he wants his boss back because he's the only one that can really give him the type of pain slash pleasure that. As a sadomasochist, he wants, he there's, needs. There's so many BDSM vibes with Kakihara and his his torture methods and his sadomasochism. Ichi too, uh, a little bit. But the, the, this this movie, it. in a way, is kind of a an exposition of of Kakihara's mind yeah. and his attitude. And the protagonist Ichi takes more of a supporting role. Yeah, yeah, he's he's not really the main character of this movie, and yeah. and and the violence involved with Ichi, it's more emotional. It's very much tied to the fact that he's just this broken, manipulated, brainwashed kid that got caught up in some fucked up shit. You know, he he killed his parents. This character named Gigi, who is played by Shinya Sukamoto, director of Tetsuo the Iron Man, great movie by the way, and. and it, the, the violence that comes out is very guttural yeah. to me, you know? I mean, it's just coming from straight inside. You see it build up and build up, and then he just lashes out. I mean, he, yeah. he's, he's a wounded animal. Yeah. yeah. The, the cinematography is crazy. And yeah, the cinematography used, it is insane. So the, uh, the t- to tell your character, we kind of are introduced to his emotions and his motivations, but in a way, these are just set up as a foil to Kakihara's ambitions. Exactly, exactly, because his ambition is to feel the greatest pain slash pleasure that he, that he can find. You yeah. know, at first, like like I said, Anjo was the one who gave him that initially, but when Ichi killed Anjo, it just 
kind of gave Kakiharo this new drive that, you know, it just led him to this new experience that he hadn't felt before, mm-hmm. you know, and he, he wanted it, but in the end, he doesn't get it. It's a letdown. He even runs away from Ichi. He's like scared of him and he, he makes a point on that. He says, I'm scared of them and it's amazing. I love being the thrill of being scared. Yeah, because there's very little that scares this guy. This guy has a Glasgow yeah. grin. He has obvious Jesus scars. Christ. He he needs to be literally pretty much beat up in order to feel anything. He's got gills on his cheek, too. Did you see that? Yeah, no. yeah, that's what I'm talking The Glasgow oh. grin. Oh, God. But once again, another direct indication that that might have inspired Heath Ledger's The Joker. Yeah. Yeah. Because, I mean, there there is uh, something very sadistic about The Joker in The Dark Knight. Oh, yeah. I, I I mean, I almost expected him to actually really torture somebody in that movie. Yeah. Well, he kind of does that to Homeboy on top of the of, of that pile of cash, kind of. Yeah. You know, by lighting oh, yeah. him on fire. Yeah, you're right. That's actually a pretty disturbing scene, and that that's something that could very well have come from a Takashi Miike movie when you think about it. And his sadism is pretty prevalent from the first scene that he's in, but you don't get to see the masochism until you know, that next scene where he cuts off his own tongue and then you realize, mm-hmm. okay, this guy gives no fucks. No, he, he has Ugh. nothing really to lose, honestly. I mean, yeah. they, I mean, even if they kill him, they can't really, like, get to him because pain is pleasure to him. Yep, yeah. Like, they, they can torture him all they want. Like, he, he'll, he, won't, he won't talk. I mean, in many ways, he's the ultimate Yakuza. Yeah, and, and they demand retribution from him and homeboy offers up his own tongue right in front of them, cuts yeah. off the tip of his tongue, and gives it to them. And, and this, is, this is, like, fucked up enough to squick out, like, hardcore, like, made men Yakuza. Yeah. You know, like, real made men. Oh, 
Th- these aren't the dudes in track suits that you usually see in no. uh, whenever Yakuza are represented. Yeah. It's like these are the dudes. They have their suit. They probably already have their back tattoo and everything. Oh and yeah, they have it almost yeah. finished. It's mm-hmm. like th- these are the real deal. And Kakihara f- just fucked with them oh, hardcore. Yeah. He, he even let that sickly boss, to, the syndicate boss, to go up and just go, oh, oh, go, go, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and just fall over. It was like it, that. That elicited a reaction out of these guys. Oh yeah. Really, they they lost their minds looking at it. Did, or with the just never seen that before. The torture scene where he stuck the needles right in his face. Oh god! Made like, oh. A, made like a triangle, dude. Yes. Oh yeah. He so and like, the funny thing is, he's pretty much <clears throat> throwing those things. Yeah. Into him. Oh, that was crazy. And no movie before have I ever felt so uncomfortable. Yeah. And so, like, I, you know, my my cheeks kept hurting and. Mm. <laughs> my tongue yeah, was tongue, hurting yeah. and <laughs> my eardrums were hurting i was like oh, i was just wincing so much me i was just laughing the entire time because this is like the 300th time i've seen this movie like <laughs> yeah. this, oh. this is another one of those movies that i know like the back of my hand second time for me yeah it's the second time for robert he didn't actually go through the entire movie the first time we watched it but yeah the second time we watched it i mean the ending it was pretty mind-blowing right yeah crazy yeah Robert, what did you think of the actual violence and gore in this movie? What did you think of that? I thought it was more like, you know, the first hostile, really. Yeah. Thing. Well, this movie was very much a direct influence on Eli Roth. Yeah. He, he actually does an interview on the DVD that I have. Hell yeah, man. And he, he, he was like, yeah, I mean, this movie really, really, this movie in audition pretty much shaped hostile in so many ways. I mean, hell, there was even a little bit of a gangster element to Hostel. Because remember, that that was being run by the Russian mob. Yeah. You know, so there's that parallel as well. Second Hostel, too. Yeah, that one was really fucked up. Oh, it was, man. The bathroom scene. (laughs) Jesus Christ. And what do you guys think about the gore effects? I mean, what do you? What was the most memorable effect that stood out to you? And where do you think uh, Takashi Miku was actually going with it? Next scenes. Yeah, the arterial spray. Oh god. Oh yeah. Yeah, that yeah. that was very uh, iconic. Actually, that's actually was very iconic about this movie is just the amounts of blood that just spews out of certain people. Like Kaneko at the uh, end of the movie, mm-hmm. whenever mm-hmm. he shoots Ichi in the in the leg, and then of course you know Ichi his with his violence being uh, based around his emotions, he lashes out. He he yep. kicks him and he kills him, and that was a literal fuck ton of blood it, it wasn't like dead alive or no. riccio levels of blood no, but it was ridiculous it was it was crazy though yeah he was bleeding out hardcore i mean it was spraying i mean it was definitely it exaggerated this one this time it wasn't no, so much spraying it was just pouring so out like, oh yeah corroded arteries man just severed the artery pretty much Ooh. severed both of them his jugular all, all of that Ooh. They all are forgetting one of the most interesting parts, which is Ichi's fighting style. Oh yes, yeah, he he is. It's very much uh, karate do, but, but it's well, very very kick based. His foot blades. Yeah, yeah his no. foot blades. Yeah, it's a, it's all based in his foot, and he actually slices a dude in half like lengthwise yeah, with one knows. kick, which really shouldn't be possible, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but w- once again, that just shows how exaggerated and cartoonish the violence is, just like we said. Oh yes, and they also talked about torturing a guy by. Slicing his uh, man parts in half lengthwise. Oh, yeah. Oh, and in, in, in the manga, they actually show that. Oh, no. Yeah. They, they I don't actually want to hear about it, much less see it. Oh. Yeah, they actually go there. <laughs> God. <laughs> I didn't even have to see it in the movie because I was wincing inside already. Yeah, it was like, oh, shit. 
And they implied the genital mutilation with uh, Suzuki also. Yeah. Yeah, there was a little bit of that. He was taking his, Kakihara was taking his signature blades. You know, once again, this is, a, ladies and gentlemen, this is another Takashi Miki movie where the weapon is decidedly kind of feminine in a way. They're very, very sleek and small blades. Interesting. You know, it was like Senbon kind of. Something like that. They were like skewers, skewers that are just really, really, really sharpened. Metal skewers. Painful. Which he... No. Right in his Yeah, arms. right in his Pop eardrums his near the oh, end. Yeah, oh, the yeah. guy's face when he throws them at him. Oh. <laughs> Imagine getting these sharp blades thrown into your face oh. from like 50 feet away. That's terrifying, dude. Seriously. Now, what's interesting about the violence in also how it plays into the music is that there's always this real sense of urgency throughout all mm-hmm. of it. And, and it really builds the overall tension of this movie. I mean, it, by no means is this a slow burn, but I mean, it really, really allows the pacing to kind of uh, have an ebb and flow and kind of breathe every now and again, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there, there are some scenes where there's a little bit of quiet here and there. Uh, oh, there's some great scenes. The cin- cinematography is beautiful, you know? Yeah. There's one scene with Gigi where he's his face is completely... He doesn't say anything, and you can just only see his face in the shot, and yeah. you know every emotion he's feeling. Yeah, that yeah. You're, you're talking about near the very end when he comes up on Kakihara's body uh-huh. after uh, he... You see confusion, you see humor, irony, and then, like, worry in his face. You, you know? also see victory for a little victory, bit. That, yeah. That's what yeah. you see. First you see victory, mm. then you see, like, jubilation, then you see, like, concern, and then he looks closer, and he's like, oh, shit. Then he looks up, and... He, yeah. he comes to the realization, like, damn it, I lost Ichi, didn't I? Mm-hmm. He he pretty much killed his entire crew. Well, Ichi's fate is left ambiguous, actually. We don't know what happened to Ichi. He was kicked by a kid right. a few times. I don't know. I don't know sure. if the, I'm pretty sure the kid probably kicked Ichi to death. Because he was willing to yeah. kill Gigi at the end. Yeah. So. Yeah. That was another implied moment right there, was the very end, when you see what looks like an older version of that kid. Yeah, he looks back, and that's the very last thing you see in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. With that's Gigi crazy. hanging. Yeah, I'm still like, still trying to figure out what the hell happened <laughs> right at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's just kind of a comeuppance for Gigi more than anything. That's what I kind of take it as. Kind of like yeah. a skip forward, this is what eventually happens to Gigi. Yeah. Yeah. Ba- basically, it just shows that there were no heroes and there were no real victors in any of this. Yeah, it was all just a pointless cycle of violence that just that just didn't stop, and it continues on. It's implied to continue on with Takeshi, mm-hmm. who Takeshi is uh, Kaneko's son. Now, Robert, as uh, an aspiring filmmaker, how did you feel about the scenes of violence and depravity when it came to this a cinematic angle, like how they were shot, how they were staged? Like what? What are your thoughts on that? Hmm. Mostly lighting, right? What What kind of lighting do you think? Uh, do you think it reminds you of? I don't know. I'm seeing a lot of Mandy for some reason, but which is weird. That because old feeling from like the '70s is what it reminded me of. You know, like yellow lighting and yeah, it does. It does have a little uh, bit of a washed out feel to it, kind of sorta. It's like I'm watching an old Japanese movie, and this is like 2001, right? Yeah. yeah. Seriously. I mean, Audition has a kind of a similar feel to it. It, it also uses color to kind of, as motifs, to kind of foreshadow what's going on. And this movie is no different, really. Like, I mean, there is a lot of, lot of red throughout yeah, the movie, which is, especially with the, yeah. the bloodiness of it. I mean, it kind of uh, underscores just the continuous violence throughout. 
You know, yeah. and read it symbolic for multiple things, like you said. Danger, we watched yeah. it. And like yeah. Danger, blood, yeah. everything. Yeah, exactly. And I thought that the actual staging of the gore, like especially in the apartment and the aftermath of E.T.'s massacre, it's mm-hmm. like that was very, very deliberate in oh, many yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. Like The I mean, stage, the whole setup was, oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was basically literally a river of blood and guts. Mm. But the way that it was placed all I mean, over the room, it, was, it wasn't haphazard. It, it almost, mm. I mean, it felt very, very connected yeah. in a way. Like a scene out of Dexter or something. Deliberate. Yeah. Yeah. With the uh, gore effects, Dakota, you and I, we're the resident gamers here, resident yeah. game podcasters, right? Yeah. What does that remind you of, the, the violence in this movie? Oh, I don't even know. I think in Mortal Kombat. Oh, of course. Resident Evil body. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil, that's what I was going to say. Yeah, definitely kind of a Resident Evil vibe to it, but let's see. Dead Island. Dead Island, maybe. Uh, I was just thinking with like the 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 over-the-top gore, Mortal Kombat comes to mind. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. The ripping of guts, you know. But, I mean, especially with with the CGI violence, it Mm -hmm. definitely has a video game feel to it. Yeah. And Homeboy's straight up playing... Video games, you remember? He's playing, yeah. I think, Street Fighter. No, he's playing Tekken 2. Tekken. Tekken. Either Tekken, Tekken 2 or Tekken 3. I think by that time, Tekken 3 had, had been out for a little while. Yeah. So. Damn it, I call myself the resident gamer, and I, I mistook I the game. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We own Collateral Gaming now. <laughs> you little bastards. Well, I haven't actually played Tekken, so. What? I haven't played Robert, are you hearing this shit? I've at least played, like, Tekken 4. I, I have Tekken 2 <laughs> and Tekken 3 up at the house right now. You, have, you get a PlayStation. Liam Neeson. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. So take god it. damn it. That, you're already making dad jokes. You're not even a dad yet. <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I, I'm working on my dad bod and my dad jokes. <laughs> shit. Don't be fooled. I gave him a dad jokes book for Christmas. Oh <laughs> shit. Yeah. Oh man, we're going to be hearing this on the podcast for eternity, aren't we? Yeah. For Damn those of you that don't know, I, I I am having a daughter soon, uh, coming in the, yep. the summer, so uh, she'll definitely be a part of the podcast at some point. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll do something <laughs> in some way. Actually, uh, Chaz Rab, who uh, you know he does the Trial by Error variety show, he actually did an episode where he put his kids on the podcast and did like a just a little kid friendly podcast. That's funny. Yeah, it, it, it's actually pretty cute. I mean, I, I highly recommend checking it out. Yeah, our, our podcast isn't very uh, family-friendly at the moment. And there's, it's not very child-friendly. <laughs> nope. I, I remember deliberately telling our cousin, Will, he couldn't be a part of the podcast. Yeah. He couldn't even listen to the podcast. It wasn't really his his oh, avenue. Oh, really? Yeah, because uh, we, you know, we're starting at the game podcast, and Will asked us, you know, hey, can I join? I was like, whoa, hold on a second, buddy. <laughs> now, in this movie, there's overlying themes of loss, of addiction, like bodily fluids are a recurring motif, like obviously with the blood, but also with the semen, semen. which oh, at the beginning yeah. of this movie, the actual title of the film comes out of a puddle of semen. It like bubbles up a little bit and then it just like <laughs> comes out of it. Oh, God. How is that for a uh, cum shot? <laughs> oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Man. 
I mean, supposedly, I guess that was real semen of some kind. Yeah, they right? said it was, right? Yeah. Oh, God. So, did they jack off a horse? Did they get eight guys <laughs> to jack off into a cup? How did this How did this go down? And this is why it's not kid-friendly. Yeah, exactly. This, this right here. This, <laughs> these are the avenues that we take this podcast in. It's, it's incredible. Well, you have to with this movie. I mean, if, you, if you've seen it, you'll understand. I mean, you get well, worried when you watch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, you just don't know what, what's around the corner next. I mean, there's lots of sexual assault in this movie. You don't watch this movie with your parents. No, no. <laughs> and and the, sec- oh, no. the sexual assault itself is kind of uh, understated in many ways. Yeah. It's not nearly as, you know, it's not, it's not shown in a great light, but it's not really shown in a way that, you know, really, really makes it terrifying to yeah. me. I mean, any further and it would be pornographic. Yeah, yeah you know. exactly. But I mean, if you compare it to like the infamous rape scene in Irreversible, I mean, that's a very raw, visceral, and emotional experience. And these scenes of sexual assault, I mean, and, and I'm not saying that I mean this is a good thing or anything, you know. I mean, they're they're very, it's very sterile almost. Yeah, you know. And there's been some debate about this film about whether it's feminist or misogynist, whether these yeah. rape scenes are are glorified, you know, as kind of a male fantasy, or if it's kind of a statement, you know, a, a criticism of the the male empowerment. <laughs> お前らは親父さんだったのか。親父はどこだ。教えてやっからよ。その前に薬くれ。親父はどこだ。とっくに土の中だ。薬くんねんだったらさっさと殺せよ。鍵やらないで。お前誰だ。どうせ殺すんだろ。だったらさっさとやれよ。鍵やらないでよ。お前、可能か。ピンポン。可能。てめえ可能か。顔が幸せだ。お前が親父やったのかよ。やったのは1。なんでその1ってのは。俺は後始末しただけだ。次のターゲットは2。あんたらしいぜ。あんた、安城にベタボラだったもんな。どうせ愛とか男気に惚れたとかそんなんじゃ
あいつのこと探してんじゃねえのあ
term for it. I, I liked it okay, though. Ghost in the Shell, the movie, and I haven't, I don't remember very much the anime. The one I didn't like recently was uh, Death Note nearly as much. It, it didn't, yeah. it was like a shell of the the complexity of the manga, and it was kind of so much more exploitative that it, it, it wasn't anything that resembled the anime. What what do you think yeah. of what do you what do you think of the Japanese live action movies? I've heard those are those are pretty good. I, I've seen some bits and pieces of those, and those are kind of fun. Uh, it's another instance where yeah you see kind of the over exaggeration that's present in an anime, and you see it translated to screen, and it's a little odd. Yeah, it's st- it still bit. has the grandiosity, but I mean, it's also I mean, it, it also nails all of the different idiosyncrasies of each character, like especially L. Yeah. And and he I mean I've never really read the manga for each of the killer but I mean for one it's way more graphic of yeah. course you know. But two I mean I think the characters are a bit less realized probably in that one. But I mean once again I'm not going to don't quote me on that but I mean that that's kind of what it seems from the little bit of the manga that I've have read yeah. on online you know is that I mean the characters like Takashi Miike really fleshes these characters out a little better. You think so? Yeah. Wow, even with less time. Yeah, yeah, with less time. Like, I mean, the production schedule for this movie, I mean, I think they only took like 50, 52 days to make this. Whoa, really? Wow. I mean, once again, don't quote me on that. I think I remember hearing that from one of the uh, interviews on the feature disc. Wow. That is a a long movie, too. It it is. It's a very long movie. The rated version. There is the rated version, too. Yeah, there is a rated rated version with 11 minutes cut out of it. R rated version. I have both versions of it. I can't stand the R rated cut. Now, mm. I also heard that the original writer of the manga was it Hideo Yamamoto or something. I don't. I don't really remember. Like this is why you have that laptop, Dakota. Yeah, search it. <coughs> Fact check that for me. But anyway, the the writer of the manga, he was hired to do the the screenplay That's in right. manga format, and it didn't actually work out though. No, he said he wasn't able to to jive with it, but. Another another guy ended up doing the screenplay after him. I I don't remember his name, but yeah uh, yeah yeah. I, it, I, it turned out great. I mean, it, it, I I think it was one of the guys. He ended up uh, being a character in Kill Bill. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah you're right. It was Charlie Brown and Kill Bill. Yeah yeah that that's who he was. Yeah. yeah. So, but imagine how how interesting it would have been if 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 that had happened with the screenplay. Do you think the film would have been different? I think it probably wouldn't have had the same dreamlike structure throughout because I mean there there is a little bit of a dreamlike quality to this and even kind of a mind screw near the end kind well, of but and and, and I, yeah. I I have a feeling that had it been fleshed out like that it probably w- wouldn't have made as much sense right and that is another interesting point you brought up is that the uh, the flashback sequences in the movie are actually implanted memories in Ichi's mind and. You're kind of clued into that because the screen is is fuzzy and a little differently toned. And so once it comes full circle and you realize those are implanted memories, it makes a lot more sense. Yeah, but also the cinematography of that is also kind of a misdirection because at first you think that that is legitimately Ichi's memory. And it makes sense that it would be kind of fuzzy and fucked up like that because that's just how he sees in his mind. But when you actually when you actually find out what that memory actually is, that it's, it's, uh, Car- memory. it's Karen's memory. Yeah. It, like she was Miss Tachibana, yeah. essentially. And uh, Ichi wasn't even there. I mean, then it becomes uh, even, 
it becomes traumatic. It's yeah. like that that's being viewed through the lens of a traumatic experience. Yeah. yeah. Then but but at the from the view of the rape victim. Yeah. There. Well you see you see the idea that Gigi implanted those memories in Ichi. You know? Yeah. yeah. Her but, memories. That's right, crazy. so in his mind, it would still, I think, be fuzzy because it's foreign. Yes. Either that yeah, or, yeah. was it fuzzy from her view? Because if that was the case, then it may be because it, of the it, trauma. It was. She it was. She couldn't see him either, right? No, yeah. no, no. Like, like, remember, there was just that one flash before Ichi kills her where she finally realized, oh, God, it's like, that was me. Oh, but, but, but memory. I, but Ichi wasn't there. It's, it's my memory. Yeah. I'm yeah. Miss Tachibana. She forgot that she actually was mm-hmm. yeah. the girl, which means that that memory was repressed. So it's fuzzy because it was so traumatic that she repressed the memory. Or uh, or more accurately, Gigi's hypnosis probably yeah. repressed it. That's true. That's that could have been Yeah. 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 Uh, she probably would have welcomed it. Her mind would have welcomed erasing that. Yeah. You know, but then it comes back when she finally realizes too late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Well, the cinematography in this, I'm mean, speaking of that, it's it's amazing. There's there's scenes where the camera's following people and it's like and, or you're walking down hallways mm-hmm. and it's like you're yeah. a stalker, you're stalking the the victims, the characters in this movie. Very much so. It it does have kind of a kind of a creepler yeah. feel to it. And mm-hmm. and you're you're the stalker, but this at the same time, you know, they go they cut back to the characters and there's no one there. And you think that you're a character in the movie for a second there, you know? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's just, it's intense. Well, a great example of that is the uh, Suzuki torture scene. I yeah. Mean, the, the actual staging of that with the body modification and then the uh, using the fry oil oh, to, God. to just fuck no. him up. Yeah, that was miserable. Okay, if you've ever worked in food service, <laughs> you know how much that shit hurts. Oh, when you that is yourself. that is a special kind of pain. I've actually dipped a finger in a fryer before. Yeah. First you hear, first you feel just straight up cold, and then the burning starts. That's how you know it's it's yeah. You uh-huh. Oh my god, that's how you, you know you fucked up. <laughs> well, your meat's like, actually being this, cooked. Yeah, the, the, this my my pointer finger on my right hand just dipped it straight in. Ooh, <laughs> the calm it. before the storm is the cold. Did you eat paint chips as a child, though? <laughs> no, I didn't. It was an accident, bro. You said I Jesus dipped it, so it sounded intentional. Were you trying to see if it was cold or hot? Or? No, I was just uh, reaching uh, for a basket, I guess, and I guess I just didn't misjudge the distance or something. Yeah. I don't know. We're I don't know how it long happened. Long time ago. How old were you when you dipped your finger in I, I don't know. I was maybe mid, mid-20s. mid I don't, I don't okay. know. I, I was picturing this kid, and, all, yeah. and, and then there's these parents that are like, "Bet you won't do that shit again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my my uh, boss was pretty much like, "Well, you're not gonna do that shit again." Nope. <laughs> I think that's the kind of dad I'm gonna be, because you know, there's yeah. two types of parents. There's the kind that are like, "Oh, sweetie, are you okay?" And then there's the the kind that's like, "Bet you won't do that shit again." Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be me. Tough love. Yeah. Right. <laughs> well, speaking of the cinematography, we brought up the color grading in this movie. Of course, there's lots of reds, but also. Depending on what kind of scene we're watching, the the color grading kind of changes a little bit, right? Yeah. Yeah, the flashbacks were blue. Yeah, the flashback was uh, definitely blue, and that was more of a hallucination, though. Yeah. That that was right. uh, Ka- Kakihara hallucinating uh, Ichi fighting him because he was just in such despair that oh, yeah. Ichi just wasn't who he thought he was. You know, he wasn't he wasn't the bringer of pain that he thought he would be. That is the ultimate mindfuck, I think, in this movie, is, is mm-hmm. the climax, or or lack thereof. Yeah. Because unless in a sense of a, a mindfuck within the universe of the story, but more a sense of a mindfuck in 
the way you perceive a three arc story, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and the way in which you, you envision this, you know, rising action, falling action, climax scenario. And it, it just completely fucks with your perception of that because you expect something and then you don't get it. And I think that it makes some of the other mind fucks seem more superficial because yeah. this one, this one just screws with your, your ability to pre predict a plot. <laughs> anticlimactic a well, bit well yeah I, I think that's ultimately kind of tying back to one of the essential themes throughout this movie which are you know needing something and then having that not being fulfilled yeah you know yeah. that's pretty much what happens to kakihara and subsequently that happens to us the audience he, he, he's expecting ichi to be this brutal fucked up motherfucker who just loves fighting and killing but He's just this weak little man-child that was broken and manipulated into doing what he's doing. Like I said, I mean, it's just this more realistic approach to violence versus this emotional approach to violence. Like, like, like I said, Ichi's violence is more emotionally grounded. 
Yeah. He, even though he's a, a side character, in some ways you still want to feel s- something for him. You oh, want to yeah. feel some sympathy, but... Each time you get the chance to, it just drops it again. It drops it again. Each yeah. time. <laughs> it, it completely upends your expectations with it. I mean, you want to you want to believe that maybe Karen visiting him might snap him out of it, but instead... It just makes he, it worse. It just makes it worse. He just goes further into his, his little world of death and violence and sexual repression and everything, you know? Yeah. Well, in the beginning, you, you see him save the girl. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And and you're like, oh great, he saved her. He killed the guy. I mean, he killed him like brutally, but you know, he saved her. Yeah. Yeah. And then, oh, and then when then his dialogue with her afterwards, he's just like, now I'm gonna be the one who beats you and rapes you. Yeah. And then she kind of takes it as a, uh-huh. oh, oh yeah, yeah. oh that yeah, that sounds great. Uh-huh. And then you know, bolt out of there the first chance she gets. Yeah. But no, she she decides to attack him. Oh god. Uh, yeah. Bad mistake. Bad mistake. Oh, no. Because he just wants that. That, that ain't just... Karen trying to seduce him. Yes. No. No, not at all. And, and the color grading in that in that scene, it seems like the colors were a little more sharp in that in that particular scene. Like, especially in a yeah. lot of the scenes involving Ichi. The violence is very much colorful, in a way. Versus, you know, Kakihara, which is a little dingier and dirtier. You know, whenever his scenes are, whenever he's being violent. Mm. Yeah. Like, I mean, when he's being violent, it's like in some basement or in some kind of tucked away little sex dungeon or whatever, you know? Oh, man. Well, I think Ichi at heart is more pure of a character, if you know what I mean. Yeah. He doesn't understand anything of what he's doing. He's just been manipulated and... But eventually it still becomes part of his psyche and eventually he does just lose it. Yeah. Right, but that I think that the sharpness kind of emphasizes that that purity. Yeah, you know what I mean. They give I, you this sense that it's almost been done multiple times before that he's like been this way. He's he's killed people for Gigi. Yeah, multiple times before that we've seen this. They give us that implication. But so. and, and all of this is building up to Gigi's ultimate plan, which is pretty much to fuck shit up. To fuck shit up yeah. as far as the yakuza <laughs> is concerned, namely the Anjo gang. Yeah, you know, and and it's interesting that he specifically targets the just that particular gang and not the syndicate as a whole. I mean, of course, we're never we're never really shown whether or not they have a history of doing this to members of the syndicate. But it's interesting to me that it's just this one particular clan of yakuza and just this one particular part of Shinjuku that they're not small time, but they're they're big enough that you know people around there will cower to them. Oh yeah, you know. Now, how, how how do y'all feel the uh, color grading influences the acts of uh, like sexual violence? When he uh, when he kills that girl in the beginning that was raped, it's yeah. kind of like a pink vibe almost. Yeah, it has a reddish a pink, pink. It's a reddish pink kind of quality and almost like love but hatred at the same time. And, and, it's weird. And a lot of Mandy, right? Remember that? Mandy oh, yeah. was Mandy was interesting, but remember Mandy came out many many years afterwards. Yeah. So this would be more that like, would probably take influence from last year. Right? Ichi the killer. Yeah. And what was that other one we saw? Uh, same director. Um, oh yeah, you're talking about Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah, Beyond the Black Rainbow. That's oh, that that's going to be a future episode, probably in Jesus another season. Christ. That this that is, is too many movies, such a <laughs> too many. Oh, guys, you great have no idea. Cin- great cinematography. I mean, yeah, I feel like every time we do a podcast, we think of like four to five movies off the bat just yeah. while we're recording. Let's <laughs> mention the time before or after we record. Yeah, but I mean, to me, the use of color, it just makes the violence uh, kind of flow a little better. It really pops out. The effects pop mm-hmm. out a little better. And I, I really, really like the way that Mike just 
he really, really specifically did it for this movie. Yeah. You know, and, and it's really kind of undercut the anime slash manga vibe, I think. Or or to or maybe undercuts the wrong word, maybe to accentuate it, to bring it up a little bit. You know, it, it makes it cartoony. And, and that, that, that's why, you know, the violence, it doesn't ever really drag on you. You know, it, it doesn't weigh you down. The movie em- embraces that feeling. It embraces that feeling, and it uh, does so in a gleeful manner, and it just makes it a little less disturbing, I think. I don't know. I've been thinking about that one scene. I just want to fuck, 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 fuck. Yeah, that's Gigi's crew members who he totally fucks over. Yes. He fucks them over hardcore. Like He's the one that gives his prostitute girlfriend over the Jiro and Saburo. That was a really interesting character because you almost want to sympathize with him for a minute. You almost start to see him as a normal character and you want to follow his story. But he just wants to fuck. He just wants to fuck. Exactly. We can all relate to that. See, that's another time where we're let down. Exactly. The character's let down. He you, he gets up to this rising point. You think he's going to fuck, and then it doesn't happen. No, it doesn't happen. It never happens. He's, he's denied. He's denied the pleasure that he needs. And, and then there's also, you know, the uh, heroin addict. He eventually right. is in a point where Gigi just fucks him over and doesn't give him his fix. So oh, yeah. he doesn't get what he needs either. You know, he doesn't get his fix. Kakihara doesn't get his uh, painful pleasure. Ichi, Ichi doesn't actually get to avenge anything. You're right. You're, and even, yeah, Ichi... Just yeah, you Gigi, know, and, and Kaneko just wants to, you know, he, he just wants to kill Ichi and even he fails. Yeah. Failure is an underpinning theme of this movie, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, Gigi, same thing. He, you know, he he wants to kill Kakihara, but he actually ends up killing himself. So it's like there's this letdown. Yeah. But also this irony yeah. at the same time. And, and, and we never really know what the real point is of what Gigi's trying to do. Yeah, you're right there. I think, I think he's just trying to create a conflict. Fuck shit up. You know? Basically, he's just kind of a nihilist, kind of uh, like uh, Joker in Dark Knight, just wants to watch the world burn, kind of. Or, or, he's dressed he did, in purple, too. Yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. He is. Like, are, you, are you talking about Kakihara? Yeah. Well, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's that the crazy. Joker, I think the Joker influence, it, it is pretty obvious. Yeah. I mean, let, well, let's face it. It's either that or maybe he justifies it and thinks he's doing some good by causing turmoil amongst gangs and bringing yeah, them down. Yeah, I think that there is kind of a little bit of a point there, I guess. I, I don't know. Now, the music that was used in this movie, it's always very, very tense. It always feels like home more like a volume swell than anything. Yeah. Like, like there's this one track where it's just a drummer just uh, doing a little drum roll and there's just all these other noises that start building up and you, you just want to know what happens next. You yeah. Know? It just, it makes you want to see the next scene. Yeah. Well, you know? 90% of the movie, there's a, you know, a snare drum beat in the background. Yeah, definitely. It's a snare. I just, the or, or the main, the or the main theme song of this movie, it has more of a tribal drum. Yeah. Sound it. It's very percussive. <laughs> and uh, the uh, vocals are very much like just yelling kind of off yeah. tempo a little bit, you know, you're right. Kind of chaotic, but like a like a, a good chaotic. But but even then, there's also a part of the score that sounds like an Ennio Morricone uh, trumpet style uh, mm-hmm. vibe. It, it almost sounds like The Godfather, kind of right. Mm. Yeah, one and two. Yeah, it sounds like The Godfather theme a little bit. Marlon Brando. <laughs> and also, the sound design just makes the gore better and makes the torture better. Like 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 the Suzuki torture scene, that sizzling sound. That's yeah. so oh, God. so perfect. So perfect. And, and not to mention the dub, which, interestingly enough, is done by British people, yeah, of those, all things. Those letters, huh? Which uh-huh. gives, it a, gives it an interesting vibe, oh, yeah. I think. 
we it, watched it in the British dub. And it was interesting because the reason for that we find out is is because the movie first aired, the first place it aired internationally, you know, outside of Japan was was Britain. Yeah, exactly. And so that's why we have the British dub and Watching it in that way, I think, just enhanced our experience so oh, much yeah. more. Just like with Ricky Yo, just watching yeah. the dub is part of it. Yeah, it, it just makes that much more special. あ、ちょっと、あと言わせたんですけど。なんだよ。安住君は俺が引き継ぎますから。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ。ああ
It's like video games or something. Oh, you're talking about brain scan. Brain scan. Oh, Those brain scan. Were crazy, dude. Oh, brain scan is such a classic. Yeah. That's an all-time classic right there. He's like there. a wizard or something. That dude was like a something like that. It, it, he was some weird video game character that could uh, travel into the real world or something like that. It Oh, I, he, I know you guys probably haven't seen it, but a, it is interesting. He was a trickster, right? Yeah, yeah, he was a trickster. Yeah, that's pretty much what he was. He, he was a trickster character. Did you stuff, say like, the wizard? Oh, California. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, I've seen quite a few really disturbing movies, and I've seen some shit. But I think that the the one thing that probably the one movie that probably affected me the most in so many ways was probably a movie by. Gaspar Noe called Enter the Void. It's this almost three hour long just trip into the afterlife from the perspective of the Tibetan Book of the Dead. And there's copious amounts of DMT involved. And there's some really, really, really just gut wrenching scenes in that movie. And, and, and the end is just amazing. Very, it's a very colorfully made movie. I mean, it has an amazing soundtrack. It has a lot of really, really, really awesome first-person shots. That sounds good. Well, well, I searched up that movie that you just showed me, Brain Scan. It looks... Ooh. Oh, that movie is fun. I'd watch that. We should do that for podcast. That, that I was that's just a fun pictures. I mean, it's that's a fun movie. Oh, you guys are gonna like that. It's like yeah. a video game, yeah. first person killer type of thing. It's awesome. Oh, hell yeah! But it's actually <laughs> real. Yeah, but but I mean, I've also seen movies like Martyrs, which we're going to be doing later this season. Prepare yourselves for that, guys. <laughs> That's that's kind of one of the the heavy bags there. Or Insidious is pretty fucked up. Insidious, right? Insidious yeah. like can be really oh, yeah. fucked up. Chapter three. Too. I saw chapter three. Right. I've I've up. heard that Hereditary is an absolute gut punch. Like I haven't seen it yet. I I, I heard that it really just kind of gets to you on a very deep, basic emotional level. What about a Serbian film? I have not seen that movie Me either. I am going to eventually see it. I don't know if I want to watch it with any of you motherfuckers. <laughs> Why is that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe it is best taken in a group because it's pretty hardcore, man. Yeah. It's very hardcore. I mean, it's it's not August Underground hardcore, which is pretty much just a simulated snuff film. Hmm. But, I mean, it deals with snuff film, but it's very more stylized and a lot more well put together. Like, the cinematography in it is very superb, actually. And although, I mean, I want to see that. Like, I mean, we've seen Cannibal Holocaust, right? Yeah, that was crazy. Yeah, that, yeah. that's crazy. And as a vegan, the animal cruelty scenes get to me a little bit nowadays. Not that they didn't before, but, you know. Burial ground, too. <laughs> that's, that's more silly to me. It's, it's more like yeah, it can't be Italian stuff. As a CrossFitter, the uh, fatness in this movie, the way it's portrayed, offends me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you don't like the fat shaming? Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, that's fair enough. Well, I think that now is the time to go ahead and wrap this up. Final thoughts, guys? Great movie. I'd be, watch it one more time. Be careful. <laughs> Just be careful. Yeah. I mean, Ro Robert, elaborate on that. Like, what, what are you... How great is it? It's not a movie I would want to watch, like, over and over again, but... Maybe. I've seen it over. I've seen it so many fucking times. Like, I, I, I know this movie, like, the back of my hand is one of those movies... It, it it makes me laugh every time. Oh yeah, throughout the whole thing, you were like, "This scene, guys. This scene. This scene. Yeah, yeah. this scene. You got to see this." <laughs> I, I have. Yeah. I have lots of movies like that, guys. It, it's very memorable, mm -hmm. but it's one you have to take with caution. Be ready for it. 
Yeah. If you don't know what's going on, if you're not prepared for it. Exactly. Like, Freddy got fingered. I mean, yeah. It's we, kind of, yeah. first showed it to you guys. It was like, oh, okay. Yeah, it kind of does have a little bit of that vibe to it, it's right? Like what's going to happen next? Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, uh, Ash, anything else to add? Yeah, well, this movie, the gore is so fun. It's so funny. It's so, it's such a trip, but the it's not exploitative at all. No, it never feels exploitative. I mean, it's, like, for instance, going back to the whole uh, argument about whether or not it's a misogynistic movie, I'd say that it's just a movie about misogyny. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. So I had a lot of fun with this, but it also, you know, it fucked with me, and I, I felt this this profoundness after yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? So it it was definitely a, 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 an adventure. Yeah, an adventure to say the least. And like I said, this is not the last Takashi Miike movie I'm going to show you guys. I'm going to show y'all Visitor Q next season. It's more like a trip. Visitor Q yeah. is Visitor Q is going to grab you guys by the nuts. Like honestly, like throwing some acid before you. Yeah, <laughs> no, you don't want to do that. Like <laughs> maybe you want to do that with Enter the Void, but yeah, no. But all right, ladies and gentlemen. This movie is a favorite of mine. I have watched it many, many times over the years. It never gets old for me. I could watch it again. I mean, definitely check it out. I think that it's streaming on Shudder right now. I don't know how much longer it'll be on Shudder, but if, if you do look for it on DVD, don't get the R-rated version. That has 11 minutes cut out of it, and it's just not nearly as impactful. Not worth it. It's just not worth it. Don't even waste your money on it. Yeah. Yeah, or, or any cut version of any Takashi Miike movie, honestly. You, you have to see it exactly as it is. Yeah, as, as it was intended to be seen. Yeah, there's no other way. You want to say anything, Robert? Uh, we're about ready to wrap up for the next film we're doing. Yeah, the next film we are doing is going to be fucking epic. It's going to be so much fun. We are doing Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Yes! <laughs> yes and we are going to have a special <laughs> guest with us. We are going to have Mr. Michael Cornwell oh, from cool. the Country Club Podcast Cornwell. joining us for that one. That's yeah. Good. yeah. I can't wait to talk about the rabbit scene. Oh, man. There's so much good shit. I mean, that's a movie that I have to watch at least at least once a year. Oh, God. Ash and I can quote that movie, I'm pretty sure. I think we could literally go through the whole script of that movie. Okay. <laughs> Very nearly most of it. Uh-huh. This episode is going to be great. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think that this this episode was great. I yeah. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify and wherever else you get your podcasts. You can find us on Chill Lover Radio as well. And definitely look for us on Patreon. We are looking for patrons. And we do have commentaries up on our Podbean patron, at least one. It's Tommy Wiseau's The Room. It's the Ash's first uh, intro to the podcast. Yep, my debut. It's his debut. So definitely check that out. I think it's like $5 to, to listen. Yeah. I think. And uh, on, on Patreon, we don't have a whole lot of stuff put up. We're going to get it set up, and we will have live streams there. We will have exclusive polls. Like You, you guys will get to determine an episode here and there. And uh, also, we're going to have merchandise very, very soon. Ooh. Merch, baby. Exactly. Oh, we both got his hat right now. I got my hat on, this sleek CCMP hat. Official number one print. Maybe, maybe we can make this the... Like the first or second tier prize for whoever wants to become a patron. You get a shirt too, right? Um, we'll have to work on the shirts. 
I mean, I, I just got to talk with my source <laughs> yeah. on it, you know. But, yes, become a patron. We start at $1 a month and uh, go up to 5 or $10 a month. And, yes, give us some support, ladies and gentlemen. We definitely w- would appreciate the help. And we need some feedback, too. Always give us feedback yeah. in any, any way you can. So, comments, so far, comments. yeah, so far we have some good reviews on iTunes, and uh, we would like them to keep to keep them coming. Yeah. So definitely, yeah, comment on our Facebook, comment on our Twitter, comment on our Instagram. And, ladies and gentlemen, check out our YouTube as well. We're going to have videos up very, very soon. Just like this one. Yes, just like this one. We oh, are actually yeah. recording this one on video. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are. We are. Kind Definitely. Of can the camera see your uh, CCMP merch? Uh, I don't know. Let, let, let me uh, turn around. There you go. Woo. Official collateral cinema merchandise. Exactly. Exactly. Straight up. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that wraps it up. I'm Bo Maddox. I'm Robert Rodegon. I'm Ashley Chancellor. I'm Dakota Chancellor. Collateral Cinema out. out. Thank you for the first year of Collateral Cinema. That's it. We did it. We couldn't do it without you guys. Applause, guys. Applause. I just want to say we couldn't do it without you guys, the viewers. So uh, keep on. Laters.
Collateral Cinema is an El Company production. All music and movie clips are owned by the respective creators and are used for educational purposes only and are fair use. Please don't sue us. We're poor.